Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And today we have the whole squad here and we're going to be breaking down round two of the rugby championship. Unfortunately, we have our first post-mortem of the year with the Springboks losing to the All Blacks. We have Argentina beating Australia in Australia. And we have a small little, um, small news from from, um, the EPCR with the Johnny Sexton band coming in as well. So like I said, we've got Sean, we've got Cooks, we've got Jared. Cooks and Jared have mended fences. They're back together again. And we can actually have a podcast with everyone here. So I'm very excited about this. Let's get, let's get going with the first phase for this week. And let's, um, this first phase was we were doing a myth busters on, on, on some of the rugby hot takes that are out there. So, Sean, I think you were the brains behind this. Um, you're, the one that you put up on the thing, maybe we can discuss it first, is the, <laughs> you're suddenly blaming the Japanese um, League One for the struggles of the Springboks. I thought we had, were in the best league in the world, so we were fine. Yeah, so, I mean, so I was thinking about, like, this first phase and, and something that would be, would be fun because it, I, it's more like a, a hot take discussion or a mythbuster. I thought myth, mythbusters would be like a fun way of discussing it. But yeah, there's just so much flying around there, especially after Springboks loss and even more so after the split squad because then there's so much finger pointing going on. Like, you know, the Springboks lose um, and uh, the shit it's a fan. Like it's this problem, this fault, this blah, blah, blah. And it's just carnage. So, and I saw Cooks, Cooks, you tweeted about like the Japanese league catching, catching heat this week. Tala, I saw you also were tweeting about it and that's why I thought I'd pop it up. But I think <laughs> out of the players that have probably as a whole been performing the best, I think the Japanese based South Africans have been doing pretty damn well. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one for me. Like <laughs> all of a sudden... We were a few years ago happy that they're getting rest. It seems like they're still competitive. Jared, I even stopped doing the whole fraud watch thing with Japan, saying like, if Achis Neman can run around like he's, you know, prime Donalomu, that I can actually respect the league. And now all of a sudden we're blaming it for all of our issues. Jared, I don't know what's happened now. Yeah, I can, as a guy, so I, I, I think it is uh, a bit of, there is some truth to it. But uh, overall, I think we can say this one what? is uh, just... There is some truth to it because I mean, if if you look at Quacha, um, Peter Steff, um, Marks, they haven't played for two months. So if you haven't played for two months and the first game you get thrown into is an All Black test in Auckland, like you're not going to be a hundred percent up to scraps. So I don't no think it's the, the Japanese. Their, yes. It's not the Japanese league's yes. fault that they were under par. I think they just and and I think it was pretty much said uh, by Jacques afterwards that. These, some of the players weren't battle hardened and they took a gamble on that. And sometimes your game, your gamble doesn't pay off. It's like going yeah, black yeah, or yeah. red on the roulette table. And last week we put it on black and we came up with some money. This week we put it on red and didn't pay off. Yeah, no, no I think that's a, that's a great that's a great. I don't think it's the league's fault. I think no. like the thing is the guys are playing. They're not playing as much rugby. I mean, I almost feel like we had this conversation four years ago. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to definitely say that that myth is busted. Or like, what's <laughs> what's the theory on that? Because I look at it and I'm just like, no, nah, that's absolute BS. Okay, so if we throw it out straight away, who was the best player on Saturday against the All Blacks out of the Springbok team? Um, if you picked Tony one, Larue? 
probably yeah. Vili. I I I'd, I'd argue it was Malcolm Marks. I, th- I think Vili yes. had our biggest impact on and, it on attack, but he had some lapses on defense that were just not. We'll great. talk about but, that just now. Yeah, we'll get yeah. onto that just now. But uh, Peter yeah. Steff also has a good argument, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All Japanese best players. Exactly. <laughs> so that's comfortably busted. Cooks, do you have any comments about the Japanese bass players? No, I'm just like, now Twitter's going to, we love having, especially for the Springboks, because ours, we have a basically a non-stop season now because of us the African fans hating the Japanese league. Now they're going to add like 95 more teams. Now the league's going <laughs> to literally play the, the whole year now. So like, there goes the players leave now because apparently... The, the, it's hilarious because the thing is, I saw it a couple of times and people were like bashing, like, if these guys did not go to Japan, I'm like, what is going on? Like, we all, how do we go from thrilled our players are getting some time off and time to race to, like, Chad's point is, is so right. Like, anyone who hasn't played rugby for two months is not going to be in, and you know, your first test back is the All Blacks. It's, 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 it's a big gamble. But now, look, now, now the Japanese leagues are still all our players. Curry Cup players, we're playing URC. We're going to basically be the Dragons of all the South African teams because everyone's going to Japan because they have to fill out the league with 94 more teams now because apparently the Japanese league is not competitive <laughs> enough. So now look, what we, look what we did now. We just ruined rugby again. I, I, can't, believe, uh, I can't believe Dragons just caught a, caught a straight bullet there. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. No, no, I don't cool. know. Sorry. I don't know. Mining your own business in preseason, bam. So, yeah, I think let's go to the next one from our friend of the show, Rian Lowe. We probably say that every week. Um, but, yeah, please follow his stuff on YouTube. Um, so he was t- making a bit of fun of um, some of the opinions that are out there, saying that if Damien Willems is going to be the fly half, he should kick. He should be the only kicker that we have. He should kick four poles. He should kick um, all the penalties. He should be doing everything. And I like your tweet um, in reply to that, Jared, that I hope these people haven't heard about um, – French number nines. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I did enjoy that. To be honest, uh, yeah. I I see where he's coming from. To be fair, and uh, if if you are gonna do, uh, if we are gonna play Willem Sertin, we we do need some uh, proper kickers around. And yeah, there's there's still very big question mark whether that's Fuff and uh, and Colby in the team that played on Saturday. I don't think so. Cooks, did you see Marnie Lebox um, drop goal? I thought it was really good. <laughs> oh, Tully, you just throw me in the deep end here for no reason. <laughs> I just, I just believe. Well, I mean, like it's funny when, like, like, like Jared said, like we're French number nines. Obviously, they do all the kicking and things like that. But like, it's it, it's very hard. I think in South Africa, have the opposite. If you look at Fab's horrific kick for touch on the on the, on the weekend, like we need, we don't have the recipe for our number nines for, to kick for poles yet, and which is fair. And um, oh man, I, I don't, the thing of like this, the tens kicking, like Johnny Brad also sometimes kicks for poles, and like you're literally playing against a team that does not do the things that fans want Damien Williams to do. So it's like it's very hard to like ask our team to do everything when like I got Johnny Brad kicks long range goals, Moanga kicks sometimes, and Boda Brad can sort of get to kick off. So I don't know some of these. Moves, I, I just love South African Twitter after a buck loss. It's 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 a fun place to be. It's brilliant. The um. The, the one thing that I found the most amusing, when Faf misses his kick to touch, someone straight away, like literally, his tweet was loaded. He was like, this is why we need Andre Pollard. I'm like, 
have you watched him play? There's like one kick. There's like one guaranteed kick to touch every game that he pushes over the dead ball line. Like what on earth? Like you were just waiting, waiting. His finger was hovering over the tweet button. Bosh. Then I was like, no, buddy. It was in the, it was in the drafts for a long time. Yeah. Do you, do you know what makes it worse about um, Pollard's one is it's not that he kicks it dead. It's because it's when he doesn't find touch, and it's not like he goes incredibly long and he like doesn't find touch like just shove the try line. Like he doesn't find touch like by halfway. He and kicks then it in like, the middle of the okay, field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and like it just completely wasted. But in the same breath, like we had uh, Willemse kicking um, to touch a couple of times, and he was very conservative. So you need to find that. Did you, you see that? Some sort that of one. Yeah. That one kick. He was like standing on our twenty-two, and he kicked for the corner, and we had a line out eighteen meters out. I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay, buddy. Well done. You got it. <laughs> okay, boys. We've got a bit of work to do on this mall. But yeah. you know, I, on 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 Ringo's thing, I actually agree with him. Not necessarily kick to poles. Like I don't mind if someone else kicks to poles, and but but someone needs to kick to poles like two or three or four times. Like we can't can't do the left right stuff like we discussed last mm. week. But the thing about Willemsen, it's probably going to like expand a little bit more. Like I I I definitely want us to have a ten that that is dictating the game. So. Like it was so, so weird. We played like Vili at ten. <laughs> so Vili, but Vili came in a lot on attack, but on defense, it seems with so much of the chopping and changing that when our, our tactical, like not open play attacking stuff, our tactical ten role was kind of overlooked or dismissed for the day. I mean, I I don't think for a second that this is like our game plan, but. So I ju- we just needed that person sometime just to calm things down, kick, turn the defense or st- something like that. There wasn't that. That's what I didn't see, that starting fly-half vibe. It was very interesting. I think that's probably what we lacked. But yeah, the 10 must, must be the 10. And then Vili must come in every now and then. Moving to other opinions, um, a relatively prominent former cricketer said that substitutes, um, that we should limit the, the number of substitutions in, in rugby. To quote Kevin Peterson, he said, this is the issue with rugby. Substitutes at this stage of the game when most players are fatigued, subs should, ba- should be banned unless it's an injury um, that, he, that he has to have a sub. A sub player cannot play for three weeks after being subbed to stop a faked injury. Yeah. Okay, so Quick says, I, I, I throw him under the bus. So let's go to Jared. What do you think about this hot take? Yeah, uh, I think um, AP, another friend of the pod, uh, replied to Kevin Peterson and put it perfectly. At least he's consistently bad with both of his uh, rugby and cricket team punditry. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we can sort of leave it there. I, I, like, the rugby is a collision sport. Like, he he didn't play a collision sport. Like, seriously, um, if you think guys are like, if, if you're going to start looking at uh, concussions and head knocks and that kind of thing, and you're going to try to force guys to stay onto the pitch so that you don't get a tactical advantage with the substitution, you, you're just asking for shit. So, yeah, I think uh, KP can s- stay away with that one. I just love how um, Kevin Peterson feels that getting subbed off and swearing at the referee deserves the same punishment in three weeks. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Like, um, like, <laughs> the same thing now. like that's, that's, that's how rugby works now. You get subbed, you sort of free, you just basically go for three weeks. 
KP must have been about twelve spoken diesels down already, eh? Yeah. I reckon I reckon the, the cane train took a massive hit that on, on the morning when <laughs> before he uh, tweeted that. I would love to say that, but then how do you explain his commentary for the cricket? <laughs> I, I don't know. Was there cricket afterwards? Oh, oh so, sorry. No, I get it's you. Just in <laughs> but yeah, it's a long day in the sun. Couple pims, maybe a quick little sneaky can and coke. You never know. I, I mean, see. surely the guys go down and have a beer at lunch. Maybe, maybe some of the guys <laughs> are on the sauce the whole day. Listen, <laughs> on the topic of commentary and and on the sauce, <laughs> the Kiwi commentary was diabolical. Oh, there was a lot oh consumed there. Yeah, let's yeah. let's talk about that now. Sean, do you want to <laughs> tell them what happened? No, I don't because um, I would. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I want Jared to tell it because I I was I didn't I wasn't getting those comms. I was listening to to, to Pierce. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was dire not having Pierce this uh, weekend. Like when I heard uh, Nisbo and Marshall and that open up the and Moles open up and start talking about the game like straight off from the kickoff. I'm like shit. Been for a long one, but uh, damn it, yeah, that's that's exactly my thing. But it, it, it was just it was diabolical. Like every um, non-white player in the Springbok team was Makazolim up MP, and uh, like it 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 was every single one of them. I can't believe okay? it. And then um, and then uh, Jasper Visser, Quaker Smith, and um, Peter Steph. Was Peter Steph. They were all Franco Mostert. So Franco Mostert and Makazola Bapimpi had incredible games. And everything. then when they Dwayne did everything good and everything yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, do you know what was terrible? Hey, is uh, at, at one stage he goes, um, Oh, that's a great take by Damien Willemser. And he steps one. I, uh, instead, it's actually Makazola Mapimpi. Meanwhile, it was Damien Willemser. So oh, he, got, he got it right, corrected himself in the wrong way. And then. Yeah, I, I, I even posted, I posted the other one with Dwayne where um, Dwayne fields this uh, restart and he's like, oh, that's a great take by the Springbok. And then he pauses and like has a look. And he's like, Peter stepped it away. And it's <laughs> Dwayne from Yellen taking into contact. It yeah. was horrendous. Like, I know he's the voice of New Zealand rugby and you, you just have like all those great all black tries and you hear him talking and he was always great to wake up uh, on a Friday morning. It was between him and Sean Stevenson that used to get excited about watching the super rugby. But yeah, I, I think it's time to pack it in this boat. Like it was horrendous. The the thing is, I, I just Makazoloma Pimpi has one of the most unique running styles ever. He's got this like he he's he kind of sort of hunches himself a little bit and starts running. Like he mm. runs very much like Makazoloma Pimpi, and everyone else does not run like him. Damien <laughs> Willemse, he runs like straight up. Like he's he's when he steps people, he's straight up. My pimps, he's like drop shoulder and wants to steamroll. It's huh? <laughs> I actually must just try and <clears throat> excuse me. I'm trying to see if I can find that. I, I wouldn't mind listening to it for shits and giggles, but yo, I'd, I'd do my head in. I'd last five minutes and then hack it up. But also, because all my pimps is the only one with, with, with bald head in the back line. So it's like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like, like if yeah. like if, if anything, if you're like I'm there, like he's only one with bald, like who's got, who's got a bald head. But the funny thing about that was you look at. On Twitter on Saturdays, like we were watching the game. Obviously, I was also listening to Matthew Pierce. 
But like Jared, AP, all the guys based in London, they're like losing their heads. I'm like, what are <laughs> <laughs> They've got like two frustrations, the box and like the commentary. I'm like, what is going on here? And then AP's going off. Adrian also friends of the pod. He's also going off. Like, what is going on with these dogs and the coverage in England? No, it's it terrible, was- so I, I usually watch away games with the away commentary just to hear like what's going on and just to hear some familiar fa- um, voices that you miss sometimes. And, you know, like you said, Jared, Nisbo's like basically their Hugh Bladen. You, mm. All your sort of like young, like memories when you're younger with Super Rugby are with them. So you're very excited when you're hearing him. And I, I, I only watched the game much later, so I didn't really see the tweets. And then I'm like, no, man. Has this guy referred to Makazulma Pimpi as Damien Willemser? And it just kept on happening. Then I just started seeing the tweets as well. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. And the one phase, we were, I think we were in the, it was in the first half, we were attacking the 22. Now, Willemser and Mapimpi must have touched the ball about six times between each other, but it was Mapimpi for those six times. I was thinking, geez, <laughs> Nisbet must have heard all of this smoke that Mapimpi was getting on Twitter. And he was just like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to boost this man. And I try to make sure that everyone knows mm-hmm. when Mapimpi has the ball, even if he doesn't have the ball. So I think Ron Nisbo is team Mapimpi instead of being team KLA. I think that's my theory. Oh. No, I, th- I, th- I think you might. I think you might be right, uh, Tala. And it was also <laughs> impressive. Like uh, uh, Mapimpi took the ball in, like proper Mapimpi took the ball in, and then proper they played Mapimpi. it back. <laughs> yeah, proper Mapimpi. Oh, then uh, proper Mapimpi. Make sure. I'm going to make Makazole, sure I respect uh, proper Mapimpi. Uh, Makazole uh, Willemse then went into contact and um, proper Mapimpi <laughs> wrapped around uh, the corner. And when proper Mapimpi got the ball, uh, Nisbo had already spoken about uh, Makazole Willemse getting the ball like two seconds later. And like he, he says, oh, Mapimpi has the ball and you can like yeah he's like he's realized his mistake and he's like ju- yeah. he just like leaves it and he's not going to correct himself from earlier he's just like my pimpy <laughs> proper my pimpy oh, with the goodness. real my pimpy please stand up will he, will he do so <laughs> okay let's go through the rest of them very quickly folks i'll start with you an old one but a goodie red cards run rugby matches bust that myth oh our, 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 the, the favorite one i mean I mean, who cares about high tackles and, um, you know, just headshots, um, guys are taking out in the air, you know, you punch his elbow. Like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you can do whatever you want, but just red card is that's what ruins the game. It's like, it's it's still the worst excuse, the worst cop out ever. And, you know, I think everyone, because everyone says, like, you pay for the entertainment. Like, I pay for players not to get their heads taken off. That's the reason I like this. That's the thing I like to watch. <laughs> like, like, I'm all in for that. But, um, like, people think that, like, like, it's just, it drives me crazy. Like, how do you still think now that, like, great Cardinals matches? I know, like, Super Rugby um, Pacific has got the, the, the 20 minute rule. Like, oh, you'll be the worst ruling, the worst ruling rugby way. <laughs> like, it's just, it, like, imagine now you, you like, a flank, like, World Cup final now, 20 minute, 20 minute red cards. Um, let's say, let's say it's like the Springboks versus the All Blacks, and, and it's like Sam Kane takes someone takes out um Peter Step to Toy. But the guess what? It's all fine. Dalton probably comes back in 20 minutes to save the day and like it's, and scores a winning trial. You know, like so 20 minutes is that what we're accounting for like a, a proper head knock? I think there are ways to make cards better, but like you can't say record with games when we are facing issues of head knocks and rugby people get sued the way the guys are being hit at the moment. And there's still a lot 
we got to fix it. But the red cards ruining matches isn't, isn't one of them. Yeah, and let's hope that we don't have to hear all of that debate in the in the in the Rugby World Cup as well. Unfortunately, Sean, um, there's one from Aiden Head. He says the bomb squad approach doesn't work against the likes of New Zealand, and we basically can only use it against like pretty much teams that are not in the top four. And we should rather start with our best players. Sean, we'll probably talk about this a bit more when we break down the game. But yeah, just quick thoughts on that. I like the bomb squad. <clears throat> um, it all for me, it all depends on that player twenty three actually. But we, the way that we play and what we want to do and where our strengths lie is in dominating with the forwards. So it makes sense to have an extra forward on the bench if you can cover that in the backs. So I, I do believe that it would work against. I can. I believe it that the the six two can work against anyone um and the bomb squad can can work against any team just depending on how you want to unfold it so i'm all for it all for it jared a very interesting one from uh tudor caradoc davies also a friend of the show he's he he goes at coaches that talk about selecting players for certain conditions and he says, as if any pro, he says in quotes, we've selected so and so because he knows the conditions. And then he says, as if any pro rugby player doesn't play in the same rectangular field in a variety of conditions. <laughs> what do you think about that one? <laughs> I, I think that's pretty damn fair. Like, if, if you're a world class player, you should be able to play in any conditions. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I see why coaches will go at that because you're always looking for that one percenter. And perhaps maybe this one. Yeah, I, maybe this one, uh, that's coaches looking down the wrong route for that extra 1%. So, yeah, if, if say, I will say if, if, if you, op, like, if Ireland played um, at the sports ground, like at Connacht's home ground, like, I'm picking mm. Jack Cartier at 10. Like, there is one, there are those, like, exceptions. Like, I, I wouldn't even pick Sexton at 10 for that game. Like, I'm going full on Cartier. That man knows that field inside and out. And, the conditions there are horrid. So, yeah, I think uh, I think there is a value in what he what he's saying there, and uh, there is also one one or two exceptions like in the whole world. <laughs> okay, and then a few of the final ones. Um, I'll go back to you, Jared. Um, one from at Postman Fatter. Not sure about that. Um, world rugby needs the Northern Hemisphere size to dominate rugby going forward to fill their pockets and will stop at nothing to get Ireland or France to win the World Cup this year. That's not true because Sexton was banned now for many, many weeks. Right, Jared? It was he? <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah, I, I, I think we're going to leave that one for later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it is bullshit. Uh, let's just, yeah. I, 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 th that's one of those conspiracy theories and maybe somewhere down the line we'll get proven right. But no, no I, I think it's just a conspiracy theory. To be fair, well, not to be fair, but if you think about it, like the money's almost always been in Europe and they've only mm. ever won one. So yeah. if they're only waking up to that now. It's a terrible, cons I mean, they've done really badly then if that's their whole sort of like conspiracy for the last 30 yeah. years. Mm. Yeah, they've got done terribly. They, they need an overhaul at World Rugby if that's their goal. <laughs> so Sean, settle this one. Are we not? Are we better because we're in the URC, or are we worse because we're out of Super Rugby? Like it seems to flip flop every week. <laughs> All depending on what agenda you have. Um, 
I currently, we are in a good space because we've got so many players playing in the URC that all played super rugby. So there'll come a time where we'll only have players that have played in URC and not in super rugby, if you understand what I'm saying. So I think, I don't think you can prove this right or wrong. Um, but I think, listen, there are pros and cons to everything. But uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the URC was best league last week when we were cooking against Australia. <laughs> this, this week, uh, URC is taking some shots along with Japan. Well, I mean, sure, if you look at it this way, I mean, you look at Super Rugby, only one, only one South African team has won Super Rugby, that's the Bulls, URC, it's the Stormers. Um, the Sharks lose playoff games for fun, so nothing's changed there with this URC <laughs> or Super Rugby. Lions still stink, Super Rugby and um, URC. Um, same, same, but different. The Bulls are the, Bulls are the weird one. The Bulls and the Stormers are like, sort of like swap roles. So, um, so it's actually like... Um, otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's basically the same thing. Like, nothing, just, just how you're playing better time zones. And um, yeah, other, other than that, um, yeah, it's all, it's all about it's all the same. Like, the Dragons, like the Western Force, some... Oh, I don't know what I don't like the dragons today. They're taking heat um, again. <laughs> Who pissed you off? The poor dragons. I don't like them. I don't like just, them today. Just recently um, signed a private a privatization contract, or I sure completely screwed that. But I can't, they've just I signed can't a, a whole of, new deal. They they've I they've can't make fun of Sansa anymore. So I'm trying to find a new target. So so the dragons <laughs> are not for the food. Dragons are like going on their own. They they they've actually just sponsored like one of the famous dot. Guys, daughters, yeah, I, I think throwers, that's. I what's think he called. What are I they think saying? that's where Cooks, uh, Cooks is going at. He doesn't like Iceman. Uh, <laughs> Iceman Price. They're like he is a polarizing figure, figure. So I understand why you don't like him, Cooks. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, thanks for having my back. Shisha, look at you two making up. And before the pod, you guys were at each other's throats. It's nice, <laughs> nice that you're putting on a show for no. our fans. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes peace is good, guys. You know, Jay understands my hate for the dragon. <laughs> And, I, and, and we're in a good place now. <laughs> okay, and then the final one, Cooks, actually, this one was from me, but kind of similar to the URC Super Rugby one. Uh, my issue now with rugby discourse up to a World Cup is if you win, then you've you're peaked too early, you've shown all your plans, <laughs> you have no more moves left in your tank, like you are screwed for the World Cup because the loser has now strategically lost this game just to see what your <laughs> tactics are. They've got something in their back pocket. Cooks, I don't know what to make of this anymore. No, I tell you, like you are spot on because it's, it's it, it, it happens every World Cup year. So like if you lose two games, <laughs> listen, the, 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 you can't reveal all your tricks. Which ones? That you stink. Like that's what happens. Like there's no, there's no tricks here. Like unless Wales is hiding some miracle here that we don't know about what Gats is doing in camp. I don't see much changing. Like you can't just wake up one day and just become really good. But uh, but you're right. It's like it's, it's just like it just always happens. Like like with the box, for example. Like you can see that there's there's things that work on, but like there's combinations here and there. But and like with Ireland, like surely you're telling me those guys you'd be good for three years. They haven't all run out of ideas and be like, okay, cool, let's just hide everything. And also like the one that's close to that is um, I think the discourse that that, that we as as, as South Africans or, or most fans who don't watch the French, it's that yeah, but France does this. But France, you know, you know, France are they? They always up and down. You know, like, you never know you get from a French team. You're like guys, if you're living with that myth, like you, you could be in for a hell of a surprise come come September and October because you can't, <laughs> you, can't, you can't win eighty five percent of your games for four years and be like, well, you never know these guys. The French, they, they was, they're so inconsistent. <laughs> like, okay, good luck. But yeah, 
unless yeah, unless Eddie Jones is if Eddie, if, this, if it is the case and Eddie Jones has got an incredible secret that that we don't know about because if he, for example if he makes the semifinals he's playing in the shittiest, the shittiest side of the pool anyway that's not genius like it's it's just like you got to beat England you're gonna beat you gotta be Wales in your group with, like so you beat Argentina in the quarterfinals England Argentina in the quarterfinals like then. There's not much genius there, but but you know, but you know, it is. Was it a fun? Some it was a fun. Some sort of excuse to, like, sort of justify a team sort of like losing. Ah, oh, there's two things I'm taking out of this pod. One, <clears throat> it's proper my pimpy and uh, shitty side of the pool. A uh, shitty side of the of the. <laughs> I can't even get it right. What is it? The shitty side of the of the draw for the yeah. World Cup. Shitty side of the draw. That's Tyler. That's how the draw shown is for like it's like. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough watch because you're going to watch that incredible rugby on one side and then you're like, oh, geez, okay, cool, let's feed you and then sort of like, like, like on one Go side, you, like on one side, you're hoping for like, like one side, we're complaining that one of the top four sides isn't going to be in the semifinals. The other side, we can give Georgia, we can get Georgia and Fiji playing in the semifinal. There's literally like no in between. It's like, and, and they're both very plausible things to happen. Like they both could happen. Oh, man. But, Tyler, when you sent out that tweet, I, I was sitting on the couch and I was absolutely hosing myself because you are so, you're bang on. Like the thing, when you look at like at France and Ireland, probably more Ireland, you kind of like, what more can they bring? Like they can only bring more consistency. So have they shown their hand? <laughs> but then you look at Australia, Australia, are, Eddie Jones, did you hear him this weekend? They were like, how do you feel about the loss? He goes, we didn't lose this weekend. We won. You're looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> so he's just building. Oh man, he's a he's a gem. But like everyone, I think what's happening, like the Springboks, the All Blacks, Australia, definitely Wales, absolutely. Well, Wales are trying to find themselves, let alone a game plan. England, they're all building layers on top of everything. But France and and Ireland are. Pretty much, yeah. It's ah, oh, it's great. I loved it. I was thinking, I was thinking about your tweet from completely different angles. Like, what if this part is true? And I went through like three or four teams, <laughs> and then I thought, well, what if this is true? Oh, it's outstanding. I loved it. Yeah, and the the <clears throat> I think what makes me more frustrated about this take is, yeah. So if, um, Fab- Fabien Galtier and Andy Farrell are going to think about nothing. They're going to have no new moves, no new tactics from <laughs> April up until September. They have nothing new. They couldn't come up with anything else for their tactics. But tell her, it's like, but also it's like, what if they have shown their hand? You still got to beat them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like the Springboks, like, <laughs> no, they're going to play, but you still got to beat it. Like, so like, it's like, it's like yeah, we've got the best pack in the world. We're going we're to dominate physically. Like, yes, thank you for telling us the plan. Yeah, but you still got to stop it. So like, <laughs> for four years, I'm like, yo, like they've shown their hand early and, and then we'll, people will catch them out. I'm like, that's fine, but you still got to do it. Like that's, that can't be thrown away, that, that, that aspect of it. Yeah, like the Springboks. They're going to name a 6-2 bench and uh, they're going to have some absolute beasts come on after 45 minutes. Cool. You know yeah, what's going down. Here's, here, here's, here are my cards. <laughs> Beat them. <laughs> and France is just going to pick DuPont. Like, it, it's just it's straight up there. Like, <laughs> Maybe they can that, play that, him in a roaming role. It doesn't matter where they pick him. They're just going to pick him. Like, like let's, let's just be real. It doesn't matter where okay. that kid plays. Like he's still going to be a threat. Like put him in the front row. Like he's still going to be a. He'll he'll probably be better than most like international hookers. Do you reckon they'll <laughs> play Aldrich as well? I mean, that would be pretty serious. I mean, they, we surely we, we can't have that sort of insight 
with the French already so soon before the World Cup. Surely not. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I really want Wales to like come with like running rugby or something or England to play like Jamie George at centre, like something completely new. Then I'll be like, okay, fair enough. People are hiding things mm. for the World Cup. Then I'll, I'll, I'll stand down from that take. Eddie Jones is okay. hiding a 7-1 bench. That's what he's hiding. I'm so tired of hearing from that man, but we'll get we'll get to him later. Jeez. Okay, let's get we've we've delayed enough. We need to talk about the loss. So New Zealand won against Springboks 35 points to 20. They scored four tries. Um, and they had an especially great um first 20 minutes where they blitzed the box 17 points to nil. Springboks came back in the middle part of the first half and then early in the second half when the bomb squad came on. Got the game to 23 points to 15. Looked like, oh, there might be something here. But then New Zealand was the better team in the fourth quarter. They scored two tries. Springboks had that final try from Quaka Smith and it ended 35 points to 20. So I thought let's divide the game into a few different aspects so we can try to discuss them fully and not sort of jump around. So, Sean, I'll start with you. Let's start with the defensive issues. So just for some stats, the Springboks in this game had a tackle percentage of 80, sorry, yes, of 80%. Um, and they said tackle success of 80% and they missed 30 tackles. New Zealand had 84% tackle success and they missed 20 tackles. The Springbok, uh, New Zealand had 30 defenders beaten and 10 clean breaks. The Springboks had 20 defenders beaten and three clean breaks. And also quite important for the defensive um, discussion, the Springboks conceded 12 penalties and New Zealand only eight. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's something that you've been sort of sounding the alarm on with our defense in, in, in the last two years we've been doing this pod. And this was almost the worst case scenario. Just people pulling off tackles, a lot of breaks, a lot of, uh, especially in that first 20 minutes, New Zealand was just making ground at every carry. Yeah. We are struggling. No, struggle is not the right word. We need to just tighten up. So like Ninab is not going to be happy with this. No one is because, so I actually took a screenshot during the game, but um, when I think it was at halftime, when we were 23 down, so it was halftime pretty much. We had a tackle success rate of 75%. So we had to make 76 and we missed 19. Like, that's not good enough. And it was clear. It was so evident up front uh, in, in the whole game. Everyone was, was falling off. Like, the All Blacks were cutting back in on us um, and they were really, really exposing us. And the one thing about the All Blacks is when, you give, when, when they've got open field and there's an unstructured defense in front of them, they really just click into a different into a different sort of mindset and 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 mode, and they will expose you. And once they get behind you, a chance of them scoring are pretty good. And we we highlighted this last week about where they're going to attack us. So they did attack us out wide, but then they also exposed us on the inside. And that inside ball that 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 sort of inside the ten doesn't get full. That vacuum space that is always spoken about, and uh, yeah, it it hurt us. The other part of it defensively, I thought, and it, it brings me to like the Mapimpi KLA discussion. I don't think there's a winger in the world that would have been able to defend those kicks um, massively better. So that whole argument about KLA um, being better than Mapimpi, like if you're, if you're um, running onto an attacking, a good attacking kick, 
you are good in the air versus if you are defending a good um, attacking kick is two totally different things. So we've really got to kind of change those the, our, our mindset of how we look at how guys um, defend uh, kicks and, and, and attack kicks on the wing. But those kicks were outstanding. They were probably the most accurate bits of kicking I've seen. The last time I saw that was possibly um, uh, Jaden. Uh, the one game he was he was brilliant, but they really just kicked us. They they turned us. They um they changed the direction. Like tactically, that was that's something that they picked up. They're like, cool, we'll disrupt them not only by um by doing like by these great kicks, but what we'll do is we will work you one way and then kick the other way. So yeah, the best part about what happened on Saturday is they've exposed something about the Springbok um sort of defensive game plan uh, they've d- exposed the, um, our rustiness but also exposed a way of of getting of, of beating us and we've got ample time to fix it which i'm super happy about but defensively we struggled if we if i'm not mistaken i think there was one or two tries disallowed and we had a couple of opportunities that we either didn't take kicks or missed kicks we were pretty much, we were in a good space. Well, we played really badly, but one or two things go away and we're actually in with the shouts. So that's probably a positive, but defensively, we killed ourselves off. They killed us off, but we killed ourselves off by just, we were flailing, man. We were, I just kept seeing guys getting taken on the inside shoulder and, you know, that, that jump kind of grab and just dropping off stuff, man. And they punished us. And that coincided with them being absolutely perfect on their attack. Sometimes teams take a little bit of a while getting into the game. The All Blacks didn't, and neither did we. Well, we did. Yeah, and Jared, what what about like what's the issue with the Springbok defense? Because we've had, I think, every few games we've had games like this where we've missed, you know, over twenty tackles, where the tackles percentage isn't is in the low 80s like is it just the nature of the rush defense that we're going to miss some hits and that you know people come over will scramble well and all that sort of stuff or was there something different on Saturday I think I think I'm leaning towards the latter because especially up front Mm. I think there's a lot of times where um, Smith would get the ball to the forward pod from the New Zealanders and you know, people coming through well especially Shannon Frizzell he was going through people's tackles and, and like just pretty much dominating those collisions there as well. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I think uh, you can't really look at the Springboks missed tackle um, like stat. Like it, it does paint some sort of a picture, but I, I saw it on uh, Twitter today as well. Uh, it's like a bikini. Uh, stats are like a bikini. It shows a lot, but not everything. So um, like we, we look at Austra- uh, the game against Australia the week before, we made 64% of our tackles. I mean, that's horrendous. But what I think the big difference was is that against the All Blacks, we uh, made an accumulation of missed tackles where we're missing two or three tackles within one or two phases that really hurts. And Nienorba's defensive system is built on um, like covering missed tackles or misreads or um, shoot players shooting up. So, yes, we all, we all often miss um, a lot like a half percentage of tackles, but that doesn't mean that we we must look more at those at those line breaks and those penalties conceded, and that's where the real issue lay, I think. Um, 
especially. And yeah, that opening period where just everything seemed to to go against us uh, there at the scrums, uh, Visa's knock on that uh, turned out fine in the end. Because, uh, well, his first knock on the early one. Um, so yeah, I think everything just went against us. And then you have somebody like Will Jordan that just does something phenomenal. The way he was able to get off the ground, place the ball and uh, get back up and race into space was just incredible, the the pace that he did it at. I think also one one thing people like tend to forget that, you know, when, when Rassin Jalgiriba took over in 2018, the first thing they tried to fix was was the defense. And, and it's been a lot of time de- developing the, the, the Bok defense system. And and you remember even then, they conce- we conceded a lot of points, but then obviously we were sort of finding we wanted to defend. I think, and I think post-World Cup 2019, especially from last year, it's been developing the attack. And you can tell that the, the, it feels like a lot of the emphasis is getting the attack right, getting, that, get, getting the system flowing and getting a good form of attack. Unfortunately, that does come with your defense sometimes taking a bit of a hit. Because you know, you're sort of the, you're looking to score more points, so you take more risk, and you take more risk defensively. Because the, if you get the All Blacks, they better they they feel their best chance of winning is by attack. So even when they even how they defend, they defend by attacking you. So they're always throwing numbers in the breakdown because they're trying to create turnover ball. So they're also gambling and at ruck time, to sort of just so they can get the ball back and hurt you in turnover ball. Where the Springboks are the same. I think the Springboks are also looking. What people forget, the Springboks are a very good counter attacking team. So now they, they, they do tend to take more risks to try and get the ball back. But now the attack's gotten better so they, and they want to develop that attack. And it, it, it's definitely taking a, a toll defensively. I do think come World Cup time, come bigger games, the defense will resort to, resort to norm. Um, but now I think for the Springboks, I think they're more, they, they, they really want to make sure that they develop their attack. And the different top, I think will attack differently when you play with Williams at 10 as a, and it was Williams are part of 10 as, as we were with Marnie at 10. But I think the Springboks still want to be sort of be a more balanced side. And now I think that the focus is on that attack, is on the new roles of Williams as they're at 15 now and, and with Kayla, with, with Kirtley and things like that. So I, I think that the defense will resort back to norm. But yeah, unfortunately, but, but that 17 minutes, 20 minute blitz by the All Blacks, there's no team in World Rugby that stops that. That's the All Blacks have always had that switch. And um and like you're right, with the All Blacks play like that, and with the Springboks where they they do take risks, but against the All Blacks, it's those the All Blacks are one of the few sides that can hurt the Springboks the way they hurt them in the weekend in those risks. I don't. That's why I'm not too concerned about the box defensively because I don't think there's any other team but the All Blacks that can beat them in sort of in in, the, in that style and hurt the Springboks in the things that they gamble on with the All Blacks. But once the Springboks take the gamble, the All Blacks can hurt them on those gambles. I just want to echo what Jared said. I think it was such an important point about um, the defensive setup and how structures work and working, looking at um, missed tackles. So missed tackles when our when our defense is tight is all is still relatively high, and not making excuse for Saturday because our missed tackles were a lot of time almost in the midfield and and weren't weren't great. But the, the thing is that you really need to look at is um, is like those gain line carries or over the gain line for opposition. And, and rightfully, as you said, is like clean breaks um, and stuff like that. Because the way that we set up, the defenders beaten numbers are relatively high for the, for the or are higher for the other side because we have wingers shooting up. So you can beat that defender, but then you're always eaten by the cover defense 
or the sort of wrapping defense, whatever it is. But yeah, it's a, it's an important point. And also cooks bang on like, you remember in the world cup, do you remember the, the conversations people were having about my pimpy ahead of 2019 world cup? They were just like, he can't defend. He can't defend. He can't defend. He, I think he only came right. And we as a team only hundred percent came right in the world cup. So like, the guys, the Springbok coaches will definitely be working for like setting and just tying everything together. But I mean, like, I mean, my Pimpy was brilliant on defense in the World Cup, but before that, he he was still coming to terms with it. And that's almost like what's happening now with the with the attack. Um, you know, we're working on so much and we're kind of saying, cool, forget about whatever. Like if that falls away today, it's fine. We need to work on this factor here, this this 10, 15 axis and how it's going to work. Forget game plan. Let's just work on this. Um, it's cuck telling that to, to Springbok fans, especially after a loss against the All Blacks. But, you know, there's a means to the end. Eh? Yeah, and I think also just to give credit to the All Blacks, they were surgical in targeting some of the weaknesses in the Springbok defense on Saturday. Like, if you break it down try by try, in the first try, they uh, and I, I I I look at it in the in the thread looking at the game. In the first try, the ball in play, the play, the ball was in play for three minutes because um, we had a scrum, the scrum from the visa first knock on, and then Villaru kicked it out from the twenty-two, and then Moonga put the ball in quickly at like one forty-five, and then the try that Aaron Smith scored was scored at around four thirty. So the Springboks were literally running up and down from side to side for three minutes which probably mm. explains why there were gaps in the defense at the end. And, and uh, another thing that I, I think, think... I think you pointed yeah. it out in that thread as well, but uh, they pinned um, Um and Colby yes. just before going wide to, to Jordan. And Um and Colby are two big cogs in the, in the defensive structure, especially when you go wide like that. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's the point. Like they really made sure with like... I think in that um, stanza, they really made um tackle as many times as possible. I think they were just trying to make sure that they went harder. Yeah, he's sort of taken away. He's put on one side so that when we do launch the play where they go wide, it's only Damien and Makazol that they have to worry about. And then Vili Leroux coming into the line after that as well. And I mean, there was a gap there, yes, but it was still well executed by Bowden to get the ball to Jordan. And then as Jared talked about, Jordan was amazing in picking the board back up again and all that sort of stuff. But maybe the Springbok rush defense or the scramble defense gets there and is more accurate if they weren't running around for three minutes. Maybe it's better if Siakolisi's there because he's probably one of the best scramble defenders in the world. But that's the consequence of keeping the ball in play for that long. In the second try, it was Jordan targeting, I think it was Monambi and Malherba, and going through that gap getting that ball wide, and then we know what Shan Frizzell did after that. And then in the, I think in that um, third try with Will Jordan, that was when Mapimpi went off and Lucanio Am was basically the left winger. And there's a pop, so we, um, New Zealand had advantage. And then um, Bowden Barrett calls to go to the other side because he sees that Jordan and, I mean, sorry, he sees that um, Vili LaRue and Am were trying to defend sort of the backfield but they left the, le- the, the left wing open. So then Bowden calls for it or Jordan calls for it. And then the, he does that kick pass to Jordan. So it was times where they exploited certain things in our, in our defense and they deserve a lot of credit for that. 
And I think there's just some worries that I have um, looking at the Springbok defense of, as we've mentioned, falling off tackles in 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 in, in the forwards play and like in the in the tight, that's not good enough. And then out wide, they would you know you're able to manipulate the rush defense. And I think it's just one of those things where teams have seen now the rush defense for five to six years. They every team or teams have different variations of how to work it out. But I think Cooks always makes this point: if you want to work out the rush defense, you must be patient. And you must have your playmakers make the right decisions. And this is probably the perfect game for the Moonga, Jordi, and Bowden um, axis because they were playing from depth and they were able to either make the right pass or the right kick in order to exploit the, the space in our defense. And, you know, the New Zealanders did really well. I th- there's not really much that the Springbok can do. They can be more, they can have more intensity. They can clean up certain things. I mean... You'd ideally want Leroux to make that tackle on Frizzell, but geez, he was playing like a man possessed. And maybe he can complete the tackle on Jordan, but that's a difficult tackle to make when he was trying to cover the backfield and then try to come into the line. And then he had Jordan trying to skin him on the outside. I think getting for the ankle tap, he was doing well. So there's little things there in terms of effort and maybe they'll be better with conditioning. But I think also we just have to give credit to New Zealand. And I think there's a few other teams that have done that as well, where they have that organized chaos, keep the ball in, in, in play for a long time, get those offloads going, and then they can really get at the Springbok defense unstructured. And that's, I think, what New Zealand did well. Yeah, Tala, I, th- I think you're spot on there. And uh, I, I think it does play into our next uh, topic a little bit. But uh, I, I think our, our game managers weren't, weren't particularly great. Like, um, I, I see Faf got like a, quite a bit of fanfare for his performance, but I, th- I thought he, he looked like, uh, the Faf, Faf of old, like he was, um, like over eager to do things. And yes, we do play Nailed with momentum, it. but I think he, it, he, he was like overzealous at times. I mean, um, there, there's, there was that one, um, turnover that Quacha made. It was right in the 22 when he intercepted off Scott Barrett when he was trying to pass to Brody Retallick. And as um, Quacha got to ground, Faf uh, kicked it and uh, tried to pin New Zealand back into, into their half. And it just, it just invited New Zealand back onto the attack. And I think if, if he had just calmed the game down a little bit there, played a few pods and then hung a box kick up and we go and contest the box kick and get momentum that way, I think it would have slowed the New Zealand um, momentum a hell of a lot down. I mean, I think we only had 4% possession in the first 15 minutes of the game. You, you nailed it in terms of Fuff's performance. It was erratic. It was... The thing is, is uh, a lot of people, like because he's so busy and so involved, like you can easily um, get confused because he's, constantly shooting up to try and make a big tackle or do something. And so that's, it kind of, it kind of paints an odd picture sometimes that his kick in that situation that you mentioned now was, I, I don't think we have a nine. I don't think we have any of our nines that wouldn't, that wouldn't have kicked it at, at that time because um, I Fuff kicked so little on Saturday. We all kicked so little and it was clearly a, plan i mean i don't even know how long we had to wait for our first kick i mean i don't know how long we had to wait for the ball but it was when we got that first ball uh, when we got our ball you you're expecting a box kick and a chase and 
that sort of stuff. And it didn't happen. So it was very interesting how we approached it. And that game management from uh, is definitely a combo between our nine and our ten. Because it really we we really yeah, it's I'm sorry, Tal, if I'm eating into what we are gonna discuss, but it's just it was very interesting. Like I don't see that what we were trying to do, but we certainly tried something very, very different. And again, I'll just look at that and go, cool, that's just gonna give us some work-ons and something we're going to add into our game later. Yeah, so I I think that you guys led, it in, led into it well. So just to give some context to the kicking discussion, so that's probably our next topic. Kicks from hand in the game, New Zealand had 28. You know, I think in the 2015 times, they usually averaged about high 20s, early 30s. South Africa had 14. That's, I think, mm-hmm. Russ Petty had the stat that that's the lowest number of kicks South Africa's had since 2016 or something along those lines. And I think the, the main thing, and uh, I want to ask you about it, Cooks, is I think there's two sides to this. One, I think New Zealand just kicked really well. And I don't, I can't think of a better Bowden Barrett performance, at least from fullback in, in you know, the last few years, because what they did was they not only kicked accurately with their bombs and South Africa, I don't think they only, they only collected their first aerial bomb, I think after like 25 or 30 minutes. But the second thing was, I think they also, because they control position, South Africa didn't really have many chances to kick. <laughs> like it's not like South Africa was running it from their try line and trying to do some barbarians rugby. It was just the fact that New Zealand controlled the tempo, the position and the territory so well that you know, when South Africa got the ball, they didn't really have a chance to kick or to relieve pressure or to put pressure back onto New Zealand. I think only their first aerial bomb came like late in the first half. So I think, yeah, the kicking battle, New Zealand definitely outclassed South Africa there. And there was a lot of kicks where, you know, the South African um, back three was either too deep or they left space and they kicked it accurately into those spaces. And you know, Will Jordan was feasting in the air. It kind of reminded me of when. In 2009, um, Fru Dupree and Mornay Stain basically ended the careers of Jorah Kothoko and Sitavini Sabivatu. Then the next year, they came with Corey Jane and Israel Dag into their back three, and then they just were the best team in the air um, from that point forward. And I think it kind of is the same that we probably almost ended, well, we did end George, um, George Bridges' um, test career and probably to an extent, Severis. And then this year, they came with, you know, we're going to come with Walt Jordan, Mark Tillet is going to be better in the air and they were really good. What do you think about that, Cooks? No, I totally agree, Tyler. I think um, you look at um, the way they set up, especially with Mwanga, Jordi Barrett 12 and, and Bowden Barrett 12, not only are they different type of playmakers, they're also different type of kickers as well. You know, Jordi Barrett is, I mean, Bowden Barrett is probably one of the best, probably has one of the best kick passes in, in world rugby and, and he's so accurate in the different types of kicks he can, that he can pull off and, He's not, he may not be, he may not kick it long, but just his, his accuracy, I mean, like the, like the kick for Will Jordan, that was spot on for him to score in the try in the corner. Then you have someone like Jordy Barrett who's got an absolute cannon of a boot. And Richie Mawanga is probably the best of both worlds in two sides. And, and, and I thought the way that the, sort of the way, the way that the, the All Blacks kicked is the boxers were getting different types of, different types of kicks. And, and like they, they get in sometimes a bottom bad um, up and under is this, this little dink that it's a little dink that sort of tries to create momentum. Was a Jordy Barrett up and under is, is basically hitting the moon and coming back and 
it's still putting you, it's, it's different types of pressure that they can apply. And when it's on song the way it was on Saturday, it becomes very hard to stop. And then they're getting the ball, they're getting the ball in, into momentum. You look at, I think, you look at the Shane Fazal, the Fazaltra, it, it comes from a Richie Mwanga sort of chip kick over the top, the spacing behind. And then from there, the ball gets, the ball gets, the, the, ball, the All Blacks win the ball back. And then from there, it's chaos. Now you play straight to the All Blacks end because now the, the Springboks can't set the, can't set the, the right defense the way they want to. They're still going to rush, but it's not set the way they wanted to. And then from there, now you've got arguably three of the best playmakers in the world just ready to pick you apart. And, and I think what's interesting with the All Blacks, they always try to find, to get at least one of their playmakers on the channel of the, the that, that Lukanyo Amo, or some of them is in that channel of basically the last defender before the space out was, or just outside of, just outside the poles. And whenever they manage to get like with Bowden Barrett for the first try, there's not many fullbacks who can make that pass that Bowden Barrett made. Be able to receive the ball, watch the, read the rush, guys come in, still take into, still take into contact, still get a skip pass out wide. That's a, the encouraging, th- encouraging thing for the Springboks is not many guys in that position can hurt them. Beside, and the All Blacks have, have three of them. So from an All Blacks point of view, I thought it, it, it was fantastic. That's why I think, for me, I'm not too uh, despondent over the box defense. Because I, I still, for me, I think it was more good All Blacks and bad spring box. I mean, for the All Blacks, I think that 20 minutes there is, is basically the perfect way to play against a spring box. But again, there's not many guys, there's not many teams that can execute in that style and execute the way the All Blacks and the All Blacks will know if they get the Spring again in the quarterfinals, the game plan, the, the blueprints right there. And they'll back themselves each and every time to get that right. Um, Sean, was there anything wrong with how, um, you know, the back three positioned themselves? Or as Quick said, was it just perfect execution from the All Blacks? Yeah, I, I'm leaning more towards, towards that. The, the back three, very experienced. Um, they know each other. They know the system. They know the All Blacks. And you can't... You, we were found out a number of players... Not a number of players. It's, we were found out by, by... Our defensive system was manipulated in a way that they knew... They managed to work us. They picked up where we go and how we are positioned and then how to wear the spaces. And they were playing spaces all day. They were, that is one of the best kicking displays, attacking kicking displays I've seen in ages. It was perfect. It is probably one of the hardest things to defend. You can be good in the air, but you cannot be good in the air going backwards. It's, it's so difficult. I w- People need to understand that running, the commentators refer to it all the time and we see it a lot of the time. Like when running onto the ball, you have, you've got everything, man. It's all working for you. All you need to do is time your jump and have the kick on, on, on target because if a defender's tracking back or if he's moved forward, drop back and then move forward, it's absolute shit show for them. You know, all they're going to do is just hope that that time they jump well enough to disrupt you like my pimpy did for that, uh, for that knock on. So I don't think we were massively poor in the back three uh, in terms of our positioning. I think we were manipulated into that by ex- excellent all-black play, including and, and mostly their kicks. And Jared, I think you made a good point, just building on Sean's point, that maybe it wasn't necessarily the back three, but um, our escorts 
and maybe you can explain what the what the escorts are. But I, I think our escorts weren't really good. We pretty much let mm. New Zealand have a free jump in in, in a lot of those um, high balls. Yeah, I I I, I really do believe that. Um, so basically, just to try keep it as simple as possible, like escorts are. Um, when a kick goes up, the players that would generally be in the defensive line start chasing back um, and sort of block um, the opposition players from from charging three and having a clear line towards the ball. So it's um, it's sort of obstruction, but it's not really obstruction as long as you don't uh, forcibly step in their way or anything like that. It's just to give them something to sort of step around or slow, uh, judge a little bit slower or whatever. So like there's that uh, knock that Rico Ioani, um almost scored off of um, where Mapimpi knocked it in the, in the 22. Um, well, Jordan and Ioani pretty much had a, a, a clear line to the ball. Jordan ran directly at it. Yalanda gave a little bit of uh, an escort on, on Rico, but probably wasn't good enough either so yeah I think there was quite a few of those situations and I think um a lot of the All Blacks game had to do with uh some Joe Schmidt uh, trickery and uh clever tactics from him I think uh you can see his fingerprints all over that kicking performance from from the All Blacks and uh I think the breakdown performance from them as well there was just Joe Schmidt written all over it yeah, let's talk breakdown. Maybe Jared, you can actually pick this up as well. Um, yeah, I think there's elements to it. There's one I think New Zealand I think did really well, but there's also a ref element. You know, Matthew mm. Reynal was the referee, and I think knowing the Northern Hemisphere refs a bit better, you know that he's a <laughs> almost like a joué type of ref with the rucks, yeah. where as long as you aren't on your hands anything pretty much goes and the the ruck is a battle. And it seemed mm. like South Africa didn't really pick that up in the in the first half. And then in the second half, they picked it up and they were competing and the rucks were ferocious. But New Zealand was just a step ahead with that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it had to do in the first half about not dominating the uh, contact um, before we got into the ruck. So yeah. Um, yeah. On, on, I think that's, that's a big uh, part of it all. And uh, when we started making those uh, changes with Peter Steff, Sneijman, Vermeulen, uh, I think we got more a more even battle before getting to the deck. So I think that definitely played a big part in it. But uh, yeah, um, like I say, that there was a lot of Joe Schmidt on that uh, breakdown performance from the All Blacks. Uh, they do what, uh, when he was at Ireland, they do an owl, um, they call it an owl line to a breakdown. So instead of, like uh, doing a semicircle towards the breakdown, it's a step um, so that you turn your body to the breakdown, and it looks it can look very skewed sometimes, but it's like almost straight enough that the referees like overlook it, and they I think they did that quite a lot, and um, yeah, I, I do think that Reynald did give it a bit of jouer jouer, and it was a bit of a free fall at times. I did see a few headshots and. Uh, neck rolls go go unpunished so yeah but i think i think it was pretty much uh from both sides and yeah i i do think uh if the if if the box can definitely improve in that uh, area of the game and they need to improve it uh before you get to the ground especially against a team like the all blacks so yeah 
doing better in the tackle, fighting, making sure that you can try to isolate players better. But again, the All Blacks were excellent in making sure that they weren't getting isolated in their in their first twenty minutes. I'm I'm gonna I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I know I said ignore me. The um conversely, Jared, and something that I want to build on, and I know we're gonna touch on it shortly, but we struggled and our breakdowns because of how um, we were getting dominated on our carries as well. So what you're highlighting about how we were losing the contact points uh, when the All Blacks were carrying and they were getting front foot and easier to ruck on, we were that bad on, on, on attack as well. So when we were carrying, we weren't getting over the advantage line as much. We were often getting driven back. So that is mm. also why, and for the, for the referees, the picture, like if you're going forward, you are you automatically have um, more chance of not being blown up because you are going forward. You don't have to retreat back. All you need to do is get in line um, and, and then you can go ruck. Like everything works for you. That's why um, advantage line ball is so vital for every rugby team because it allow it forces the defense. The defense have to backtrack, get back on, line, uh, on side and, you know, sort themselves out going through the gate and all that sort of jazz. Whether we're on your front foot, you can just work through it quite easily. So we struggled on attack and defense with exactly that point. Cooks, maybe we can bring it to certain individuals. Um, I think we can bring in the performance of Shannon Frizzell at this point of the conversation because, geez, he had a brilliant game. So he was top for forwards and meters. He was top for 43 meters. He was top four defenders beaten in the whole game with nine defenders beaten. So New Zealand beat 30 defenders. Shannon Frizzell had 30% of those 30 defenders, which is ridiculous. Um, he had the second most carries with 11. And in, in defense, he had the most tackles for New Zealand and second most in the game with 12 tackles and had a turnover as well. I think Frizzell just played out of his damn mind. I think he should be called Shannon Kano from now on. He's cheap as Brazil, by far, probably his best uh, test in a, in a black jersey. Um, I thought he was phenomenal. In that first 20 minutes, with all those world-class players in the field, you could arguably, or even for 80 minutes, you could say Shane Frizzell was probably the best player on the field on the weekend. That's how good he was. I think for me, what summed up his performance was there was a high, there was a high tackle on Jasper Visa that went upstairs that, that, that was, was given a high shot when all the momentum and then Springboks got a penalty, and then when the Springboks started attacking, Shannon Frizzell won a, won a turnover penalty straight away, where sort of old Shannon Frizzell sort of, sort of dips and sort of you make one or two errors and then sort of sort of slowly but surely fades out of a game. Whereas he made a mistake, won a turnover ball, and just never let the Springboks sort of rest. And yeah, I mean, I think the All Blacks have been searching for a six for a long time, and Shannon Frizzell has shown glimpses of that performance. You've seen games where he's been an absolute beast carrying for the for the for the Highlanders where he's carrying the ball or you have or a game where he defends well or then you have a few turnovers. It's not often he actually strings those get where he has that type of game together. It almost feels like when he's carrying or beating nine defenders, then you won't you won't defend as much or tackle as much. Whereas now you sort of have a, a proper all round game which you won from a blind side, a blind side flank. And I, yeah, I thought he was phenomenal on the weekend and you yeah, definitely I don't know if it was confirmed, I didn't see if it was confirmed as man of the match, but he was definitely my man of the match. Yeah, he played brilliantly in the game. And maybe, yeah, just on in a contrast, I think 
uh, Jared, I think Quaha Smith's performance was a bit um, unfairly criticized because, yes, obviously he did have that, he was bumped off there by Sham Frizzell early in the game. Mm. And obviously he doesn't do the things as Sia Colisi does, no one does. But, I mean, on the balance of things, he was the one that was really just being an absolute nuisance in the ranks, especially in the second half when he had um, Peter Steff and Dwayne Vermeulen around him. Obviously, he picked up that try. I'm not sure if he came through any sort of gate <laughs> to take the ball there. And he was the one making tackles. He made the most tackles in the game. He was carrying. He was doing... Like, yeah, I I kind of felt like, you know, reading some of the reviews that I think Smith's performance was underappreciated. I, I think so too, because he, he, he also got a... He also got one penalty against him that I think uh, it's the one that Moan was slotted later in the game. And um, I, th- I think he was quite uh, unlucky with that one because uh, he came through almost like the the try that he scored he came through he thought the ball was open and then when he stopped to when he stopped himself uh Brody Retallick grabbed his uh, uh grabbed his leg and uh, Smith sort of like fumbled into him kind of thing and uh Reynald blew him up for playing the the, the scrum off so yeah there, there was that play. one as Brilliant. well yeah yeah no no the excellent uh nine play so you must give him that and uh like you say, he, he he was our top tackler on the day. He made the most carries out of the forwards. I think he made the most meters out of the the Springbok pack as well. Uh, the only player made more meters than him was Colby. And um, I think he only missed the one tackle, which is that one in Brazil. So I, I, I do think on the balance of things, um, I often try to weigh up a player's um, positive contributions and their negative contributions. And obviously they'll have more positive contributions if you count just one tackle. But like uh, overall uh smith did more good for the springboks than bad and i i don't think his bad was very detrimental to the team and yeah i i thought he had a great game to be honest um as great a game as you can from from the dominance that uh the all blacks had in that first 20 minutes and sort of put the game to bed by then but uh yeah i i thought he had a really really good game and one that they can look at and weigh it up against Marco van Staden and possibly play both of them against uh, Argentina, giving them 40 minutes each. Sure, let's try to be positive now. What are the positives that the Springboks can take from Saturday? That we've got time. <laughs> um, we've put a plan together. We've worked on a few things. We've, uh, the, You know, people underestimate the value of knowing what not to do. Um, it's 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 actually is quite important it's not a sarcastic chip it's very it's good to know what doesn't work you know it's kind of like a process of elimination the other way around um so there's that i think we we worked a lot where the probably the best way of looking at how um what positives to look at we look at a few things where we went wrong we probably need to work on a little bit more um on our are sort of carrying when we were running our forwards up like they were doubling up on us and smashing us backwards as i mentioned earlier in terms of that that sort of gain line advantage like we probably got to work a little bit on those little tap-ons um you know just shift just shift the 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 contact point a little bit either inside or outside or just do something maybe run some more screens or have other options the other thing i was very interested in and the reason why like cooks i'm not so like freaking out by what happened is our biggest carrier this weekend was Damien Delendi with 10. Now the last time he carried so much was also when Valimsa was at 10 
Um, and But that was a different game plan. It was a different style. So I was very interested in that why he carried so much um, and or should I say why our, our loose trio and our forwards didn't carry more, should I say, is probably the best way of putting it. In terms of like other guys that performed well, I thought barring barring those those tackle missed, um, Billy attacked really well. And I'd like to see that combined with more of a 10 play, uh, more of the 10 playing as a 10. So Billy not come in so much and maybe have the 10 dictating a little bit. But in, in another amazing episode of how I don't answer your question, uh, I don't really have much more to add to your question after that. <laughs> okay, Cooks, what are your yeah your attacking thoughts? Just a, a brief one while we while we wrap up the the Springbok Kiwi test. I think um, it's always hard to attack when you're down so early and so quickly. Um, and I thought the Springbok sort of yeah I don't think the attack was too bad. Um, I thought like you said, Faf was a bit frantic, and I think um, yeah it, it did also feel like we're, we're sort of chasing a game, chasing the game. But it was so funny how, how especially the, after the 20 minute spell, we sort of found ourselves chasing, 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 and then, and with about five minutes to go, we just kick for poles out of out of out of, out of nowhere. <laughs> we just, I was like, what, so what is going on now? I was, I was like, okay, now we just kick for poles now. But um, I think that's why, like, it's it's weird how when Faf Faf is such a key for the pocket attack, like when he's frantic, it turns to lead to the 10 being frantic, hence I think that was a big contributor to Damien Villa's performance. It wasn't his best at 10, but I think it does lead to if Faf sort of frantic and chaotic, whoever plays next to him at 10 also tends to feed off that, and I thought Damien sort of feed off that as well. But yeah, I thought, you, you look at Villa's try, I mean, uh, uh, Colby's try, I mean, that's textbook spring box, great carries, and then a, a bit of magic from Villa. So uh, uh, there's nothing too alarming with the spring box attack, but... I think the All Blacks did so well at the end there when the box are getting back into the game. I thought we could have a sniff. The All Blacks got those two very late, those two tries late, which is something that I've always said that's the All Blacks' greatest um, trait, even when they were basically unbe- unbeatable, is their ability to score two tries in a space of about five, ten minutes. Just a double punch just to sort of knock the stuffing out of you. Those two tries late sort of killed the game and killed any momentum the box had. But yeah, so I'm a, I'm, I wasn't too concerned with the box attack. The thing that I actually didn't mention that I just realized now, that um, Marx's try all started off probably the first um, very, very bad kick from the All Blacks. Um, I think it was Barrett kicked it, Willemsa got it, um, stepped it up, took it up, and that's when, when Fuff, we were, got some sort of go-forward ball and Fuff picked up that knock on his leg and we got a penalty. I think he might have been sub straight after that. It's when he was on the yeah. ground. We kicked, we kicked for the corner and drove over and scored that, that driving more. That was off a poor kick from the All Blacks. So, like, you know, it was it's, charged. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that mm. one was charged, wasn't it? But uh, oh. also, like, like that, that also just shows uh, that's another point on, on the mess that was the breakdown is that uh, Buff was often having to jump over players and Williams had to do the eh? same once, yeah. he, once he came on is they were trying to keep the attack steaming and constantly jumping over players and the one time we do get penalized for it we lose our scrum off as a cost i loved um tello's tello's uh, arguing with a 
with one Springbok fan who was saying how slow Faf's service was. So then Faf, so Tala's like, please send me an example. And the example he sends is Faf having to jump over a defender of Oku didn't roll. And there's like, yo, he's got to be faster. I'm like, oh man, there's like five people in the way. Like, what's what he supposed to do? It was like, no, it's not good, not good enough. I'm like, gee, what's... Yeah, the one thing Faf was on the weekend was he was sending it. So, um, mm. but anyway. Okay, so quick, very, very quick. Cooks out of 10, your Springbok performance against the All Blacks? Probably four, I think, yeah. In terms okay. of, um, okay. yeah, I think four just in terms of, I think, yeah, shipping those points. And I know it's good All Blacks, but we, we I, I, I like to hold this. We, I think we should also hold the Springboks in high regards. We are defending champs. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably say I'll set about four. I know most fans are probably saying one after they thought the box were ten out of ten last week. So I mean, there's no in between with the spring box. So if you look at it on Twitter, that's true. That's true. I'll probably go about four. A, Jared? a, a harsh four. Okay, it's a bit harsh, yeah, Jared. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I, I was thinking that uh, we are very bad for twenty minutes, and then we are much better for sixty minutes. And so I, I, I would normally say that's maybe like. Okay, we uh, probably about a five, but I think a four as well. I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think once we started getting control of the game um, and getting some sort of normality and playing to our strengths, we actually found parity and we we gave it a, a good first of it. So yeah, if you take that twenty first twenty minutes down, you'll yeah shit show. Then I I think it might, would have been a hell of a lot closer game, and I don't think it was as bad as uh some may uh, may think and yeah I, I do think it was a selection a selection issue so yeah yeah o- and, overall and, uh, it's a long way of saying four yeah. so <laughs> okay yeah yeah so now i wouldn't necessarily say selection i, I definitely say tactics like our, our focus mm. what was what was our goal in that game obviously besides winning i know everyone like hates to hear it but the truth is, is we do have other goals besides winning and i think we've got to find out what that goal is first but yeah, I was actually going to go. Uh, Can we get five. that goal with winning, please? <laughs> yes, imagine. Imagine how good we'd be then. Um, I was going to go with a, a five, four and a half, five. So, yeah. But the best part about it is uh, is this time. Okay, let's move on to the other fantastic or not fantastic result. Depends on how you look at it, but an absolutely thrilling game. The... Australians played at home. Eddie Jones, his second game in 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 uh, in, in charge of the or well, his return in charge for the Wallabies, and plays against Argentina. And as expected, the Argies came out hard. The Wallabies almost looked to have won it in the end um, with an intercept try, and then managed to somehow steal defeat from the jaws of victory. And Argentina got a win. Jared, like. What are your thoughts on that game and what the hell's going on with Eddie Jones? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what... Uh, the, the issue with Eddie Jones is that he's got a hell of a project to like fix this Australian team. Like I saw a lot of people say like it was a decent Australian team under any last year. No, it wasn't. They did beat the Borks. Like I'm, I'm going to give them that. Like we always seem to have our crap games against uh, Australia and Tala mentioned that, that like when... It's it's like a purely like home and away game. Whoever's at home wins that. But like Australia weren't fantastic last year. Like really not. I didn't think they were out of order getting rid of Rennie. And if they kept him, it would have purely because been because nobody else was on the markets. And when Eddie came, it was the right time to do it, I think. So yeah, I I, I think um 
when we look back at 2018, when we beat England in the first uh, two games and won that series, I think uh, things clicked a lot quicker than uh, what uh, Rossi and Jacques would have thought. And they, Eddie probably bought a little bit of a weekend and changed the England team over to South Africa. So I think we were a bit lucky there. So I, I think it is going to take a while for things to click for Eddie and his coaching team. It's new guys that he's got around him and he's embedding new ideas and everything. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's too much. I think Argentina just, they were just a, a slightly better team on the day. And uh, I, I don't know if it was really a fantastic game. I think it was maybe the last 20 minutes, 10 minutes that were really outstanding. And I th- otherwise, I think it was quite an average game. Yeah. Cooks, the Wallabies now have lost Len Ikita and he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. Um, so that 13 jumper is now trying to be filled again. The, the Wallabies have struggled to replace Tavita Kurudrani. Like, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Obviously, we've got Isaiah Parisi and a couple other guys. James O'Connor could probably fill that jersey. But I mean... You think the the Wallabies were onto something with their midfield? They're finally getting it settled, and now and now they've got this to deal with. Yeah, I think I think Len Iguita is probably the best thirteen that has come out for them. I think he has probably been the most consistent player. Um, Len, Len Iguita probably thinks Len Iguita is the only person that, that, that doesn't rate Lukanya arm because he normally gets the better of him every time he plays against him. So <laughs> he, he, he he doesn't see the hype about arm. But um, I think yeah, it's a tough loss for. For um for the for the wallabies, I think I think for me the the hard part is um what do you call it um is um what do you call it is um like Jordan Patea for example. I think everyone thought he was a thirteen, but he, he just can't seem to get injured. I mean, can't, can't seem to get fit. So it's gonna be interesting to see who they go with. I mean, didn't the Reds have? I think it was a Josh Fluke was playing thirteen for the Reds most season, and he had, he, had, he had a decent Super Rugby campaign. Mm. Um, so he, I mean, yeah, he's and, with and, Australia, eh? Now, yeah, it's Australia, eh? So. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe potentially he, he gets flown up and he gets he gets he gets gets taken back to Australia and he comes in the thirteen jumper. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one for for Australia. But I love Eddie Jones's quote when he said, um, "Like what he said, the what is the moment is you fix the handbrake and then the, the airbender sort of breaks." I think it, 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 it is the case. Like, there, there is a lot to fix. I, I think I thought they're a lot better than they were against Springboks, but you fix one thing, then something else is a mess. Now Egetau is injured. Um, still. I think I'm one of the few guys who's still holding on some sort of for the Wallabies. I think they'll be fine. I can still see them making a semi-final, hence the shittier side of the draw. So that that does help play in their favor. <laughs> like that's what I, I still think they will. Be, I still think these games give Eddie time, and um, I'm yeah, I'm not too concerned. I think Carter Gordon looks looks a hell of a player as well. So I mean, he's been good every time he's come on. So I'm I'm just keen to see what, what Eddie Jones does from here in these two weeks before they play the All Blacks. Cooks, can I ask you the big question quickly? Is uh should the uh, should the All Blacks be looking out? Oh, Eddie Jones was, was big about that, eh? <laughs> the funny thing is, Eddie Jones is the last person to have won the Bezos Cup, so I think so he's actually in a, in, a, in a good position to say history. Get much on history. But <laughs> I can't see them winning either test against the All Blacks. Um, I don't think the All Blacks need to watch out. I just think, I think a, a, a big win for Eddie Jones is probably winning one of those tests, which is going to be unlikely, but. The way the All Blacks look now, I think the All Blacks have had two fantastic, fantastic first halves. In the, you look at the game against Argentina and against, against the Springboks. The, I mean, the second halves have sort of been dipped a little bit, but 
the All Blacks look like they're getting better and better each week. And this means that the Wallabies are catching 15 one, in one of those games. So, 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 so that's the concern. Like Tyler said, it's going to be it's going to be a close game for the first the one in Australia, and then watch it watch them watch it be a flipping thriller after that. You know, the hiding after that. So, Jared, obviously, Eddie's Eddie's Eddie, but it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He, so from my understanding, the All Blacks are going to be doing not a squad split, but they're going to be doing a, they're doing something ahead of the Bledisloe one in Australia, where they're sending a bunch of the players only up on Thursday to try and simulate some sort of a Rugby World Cup vibe. The All Blacks can afford to lose that first game because they only need to win one game to retain the Bledisloe Cup. But what? Do you do you really think uh, it's so hard to bet against Eddie Jones because you know he's got some shit brewing? Mm-hmm. But do you really think that that the you reckon the Wallabies could win it? Because Tyler, if, I mean, sorry, Cooks, if you think if you think they're going to win one, they're they're going to have to win the home one, which means that they're really getting set up to actually take it, and because game two is in New Zealand. But Jared, do you think the Aussies have a chance or not? Yeah, well, if if Eddie was very good in the press conference after the game, he was actually very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed uh, despite the loss. So, yeah, the the one thing that he he hopped on about is that uh, the Australian, like his team, just need that moment, and he doesn't know what that moment is, but it's, there's just that moment where everything sort of like changes for the team and everything just sort of clicks. And like he said, it might be like a intercept trial off of uh, Richie Mawanga or, or something like that. And that will sort of spur them on. Um, when, when I look at the Australian team, like I, I see so many holes in the, in the side that like, like, it's, like Eddie says, you, you fix one thing and something else in the car's uh, broken. So I think it's just small adjustments for the Australians. And if they get 1% better in all of those little areas, they might be able to shock the All Blacks. But it's... it's they get 1% just, better, they're still going to lose by 40. No, no, no. no. I, th- I think if they get 1% better in all of those aspects, they'll probably beat the All Blacks. Like... No, seriously, like you look at it, it's like uh, Eddie does this thing that he doesn't... Uh, he plays his hookers right until the like death of the match. And then you see, you saw that how, how that turned out against the the Los Pumas. Like Dave Brecky misses that tackle on Carreras after making the most tackles out of uh, the Wallabies and scrummaging and throwing in the lineouts. Misses that tackle on sixty nine minutes, and then he only gets hooked. Like he should have been hooked already, and they he should be in, the next hooker should be entrusted for that. That's like the small margins that I'm talking about, and he mm. d- changes his hooker earlier, and he probably doesn't concede that try, and the Wallabies win the game. Also, I understand the Wallabies of the issues. Let's not forget that these are, these are the All Blacks under Ian Foster as well. Like, let's not forget like the last four, three years didn't happen. Like, there's no chaos there yeah. that's gonna that's gonna ensue. Like, I understand they've had a good two weeks. Some shit's gonna hit the fan in New Zealand rugby. It has to happen. Like, <laughs> like just because, like I said, yes, it's been the, they, they beat the Springboks, but the game plan they get the, the game plan suits, suits the Springboks. But there's still. The All Blacks are that's that's still falling <laughs> apart. Like I'm not gonna. If, 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 now they're trying new t- tactics. We're gonna fly in on Thursday. Just get, just send the team there on Tuesday. Like stop trying to be heroes. Like stop like 2015 year where you can send the guys early and make sure Rich McCall's there because clearly you guys play well when Rich McCall goes to to captain on Thursday. Jeez. Now they're coming with like split squads. 
just fucking just do what you did last week and just do that for <laughs> until, the rest, until the rest of the year. <laughs> Split squads and we're going to go in uh, chambers. Oh my goodness. All Blacks, just relax. Like, we know your real life. You still, you, want, you haven't been great for three years. Like, no, now just change because you beat the box again. Oh, oh now, I, now I want the Wallabies to win now. <laughs> okay, so on to, <laughs> so basically where we are sitting now with the, um, the rugby championship is the All Blacks are going to win it. <laughs> don't ask to yeah, explain probably. it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're going to, they, they get any point or anything on uh, next week's Saturday against Australia. They'll, 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 they'll win the rugby championship. So awesome. Well done to the Kiwis. Um, great turnaround after the last couple of years. Um, I'm not buying into this. It's a shortened one. Like it doesn't change anything. Congrats. You won it. Nailed it. On to, from one contentious thing into something else that is absolutely setting the world on fire. It's been, what, um, Jared, like 73 days since it happened. Yeah. How much? About two months, yeah. About yeah, two it months. Feels so, not that long, yeah. <laughs> yes. Johnny Sexton finally has found out his fate after, that, uh, after he verbally attacked a South African referee. You know, I'll put that in there just to spice it up. We all know the story. Johnny Sexton approached uh, ref after the Champions Cup final. Bit of uh, bit of swearing, a bit of abuse, a bit of this, a bit of that. Um, he was a non-playing uh, member of the Leinster side. He wasn't even in the squad. He's been injured and all that sort of jazz. And then there was uh, a hearing put forward. So a week ago, a week and a bit ago, there was a hearing. And they kind of let, let us wait and wait and wait. And on Sunday night, in like at midnight, it felt, they just dropped this surprise thing. So Lenser have been fined a cash amount of something, seven and a half thousand pounds, I think. I'm not. Yeah, oh, seven and a half thousand pounds suspended. Excuse me. So they haven't been fined. Let's be honest here. Yeah. And, so if anything happens is similar to that in the next season, um, they will have to pay that fine in cash. Otherwise. Oh. And then hopefully yeah. get banned. Oh, sorry, I didn't <laughs> say that. Um, but the big thing is Johnny Sexton has been banned. So there was a 36-page write-up on it, and please feel free to go and Googleize and go find out and go read it up. But the short story is after verbally abusing the referee, um, he has been banned for three matches, okay, which essentially rules him out of the next three World Cup warm-up games for Ireland. And he is free to play against the Springboks in the opening game of the Rugby World Cup for the two sides. Cooks, is happy, not happy, bud? <laughs> I mean, I'm expected, actually. Like, I, it's had a feeling like um, uh, they were never going to ban him for, for too long because obviously I think with, with it being a World Cup here and him being one of the marquee players in the world, I just didn't see him not taking part in the World Cup. But I don't know. I just think it sets a terrible precedent because for Ox to come in, basically in civvies, to come in just abuse referees, like <laughs> like, what, like 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 what are we doing now? And that, that that's the thing now. Like that's the precedent that's being set because if, for example, like something gets said to a referee, like a player says something, and the ref's go like, "Well, we're gonna ban him for five weeks." I'm like, "Well, can you ban the guy who wasn't even playing for for longer than that?" So it's a it's a terrible precedent that's been set. I think it puts the world rugby on the back foot because now it's if that's the approach on, if that's the approach on things like that, especially if you're a referee as well, like so. That, so if I'm a referee, I'm going to basically stuff us then because clearly we're not being protected. 
like Oaks, Oaks can just say whatever they want to us, and all they get is like all they get is is three is is three week bans. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think I think it should have been a lot longer. Um, like like I said, you just can't you can't be not you can't not be playing a game and then you say those and then say that you're referee and then expect and then you just get three weeks off like like. Like you just got substituted in, in three like, weeks off. Yeah, yeah, three weeks ban. Like you just got like you, like you got subbed in KP's world. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's like I, I said they putting themselves in. A, I think they putting themselves in, a, in, a, in a, on the back foot here and world rugby and yeah, like also they just wasted our time. Just how, how long does it take for you to come with three like three <laughs> games? Like after a week, like, you think you're gonna get like a, like maybe six seven games, but like three weeks, like like a Bucky's Porter like, decision comes like like closer than that, and he hit bus people like. No reason, like so. No, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, so I got massively ahead of myself there. My apologies, but uh, South Africa Ireland are playing much later in the tournament. Uh, Ireland opening up against Romania and South Africa opening up against Scotland. I kind of got a bit ahead of myself, but Jared, I, I, I agree with Cooks and the general, the general feel, and from everyone, from Irish, South African, English, everyone, the general feel. It seems like World Rugby via an independent committee um, have uh, have kind of dropped the ball a little bit. That three mm. weeks doesn't quite um, doesn't quite cut it. Personally, I, I, honestly, if it was anything over three weeks, it probably would have been okay. Like even if it was four weeks, you could probably mm. kind of you could probably justify it. But yeah. The general feel is like it's an absolute shit show and it's a disaster from one side of the coin. You know, we really respect and want to look after the referees. To the other side of the coin, like the guy was literally abused in front of his face by a, an angry player, and uh, nothing gets done. And as Cook said, he he gets three weeks off. Bang on! It's not a ban. There's nothing mm. ban about that. It's three weeks off, on top yeah. of his thousand others. Yeah. So, but like, uh, I, I, unfortunately, like I, I must put it out there that. The decision they came to is sort of on brand with uh, similar decisions uh, that they've handed out for this kind of um, situation where a player has sworn at a referee or a match official or something like that. And when I say sworn at them, they've uh, physic- uh, they've verbally abused them and not physically gone after them or threatened them. And like because Saxon didn't threaten anyone, it, 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 if he had threatened, it would have pushed them into another bracket. So the the issue I have with the whole decision is they judged it to be a low end um, sanction, which which I don't think it is. I I think it Agree. was at least a mid range mid range thing because he was found guilty on uh, he was cited for three um, incidents. He was guilty of two and he admitted for both of them and he was found guilty for both of them. So I I think a low end one is one incident and it was heat of the moments, that kind of thing. But if you go back for seconds, then that's not a low end. And I think that's where they made an issue with it is the the low end entry is six weeks because he has a clean record, fair play. They cut it in half. But yeah, it it should have been six weeks in my opinion. That's where it should have sat. And uh, then, yeah, he would have been off for the two. He would have missed two Rugby World Cup games had they done that. And I'm not saying that Mm. just because I I think is it the second game that Ireland plays South Africa? 
Um, uh, I'm not. I'm so. not the right person to ask for this. I had an absolute mare before then. Yeah, so. it is the second game. Sorry, but uh, that, okay. my, my opinion is that he should have gone in the middle uh, range because of he had two bars of the cherry, and that's where it should have landed. And we, if you do want to like sort of uh, have a little bit of comparisons, because I've apparently made this whole big uh, witch hunt to get um, to get. Uh, Sex and band. If if we really want to go down that route, Rossi got two weeks for his uh his tweets on Wayne Barnes. So Sexton got one more, and it was face to face attack to the referee. Uh, yeah, you you can decide how, how we how we look at that one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't. Hmm. I, and, and the thing is, is, sorry, the other, th- the other thing is they say, no, this isn't world rugby that's, that's made the stuff up here. It's EPCR that have tied the independent thing. The same guy that sat on this panel sat on Rassi's panel. So, yeah, it, it, we, it, we can put this one on world rugby as well. You're starting some serious conspiracy theories here, Jared, and we're all for it. We're all for <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, the general consensus is, is that they've absolutely, you know, shot themselves in the foot. like. For me, a guy, firstly, he didn't belong on the field because he wasn't part of the team mm. or officials or reserves or anything. That's where I looked at it and I thought this is where he's going to be in trouble. He got a six-week and it was halved. So you make a very valid point in terms of the low range uh, versus medium range. So, yeah. Oh, I don't know how much more we want to talk about Sexton. It's there. It's been done. He's got a ban. Everyone's yeah. going to be grumpy. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Cooks. You managed to go and watch yet another final this week. Um, you went to go to the under 20, under 20 World Cup final. Those French are a different beast, eh? All I can say is if you're not, if you're not French or, yeah, but if you're not French and you support any other side besides the French, we are in deep, deep trouble. Deep, deep, deep trouble. Because <laughs> France at the moment, French rugby is cooking at the moment. Best league arguably in, in the world. The, the the national side is incredible. They've got this on 20 side, which is unbelievable to watch. And the scariest thing is 10 of those players come back next year. So just come and defend their title and then they won the last three. So yeah, incredible final. I mean, that, that Irish side have not lost a game. And not lost a game. Um I think for for a while now, and then beat France in the in the six nations. So yeah, in hell of an effort with 50, 50 points to 14. That French side is, yeah, it's a proper side. Um, it's a pity for Teddy Pendergrass and the guys to, 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 to have lost in the final, but um, he'll be fine. Um, you, you probably hate South Africa. You got that 60 points against, against for Leinster against the Bulls, and now, <laughs> now you've got a 50 in the final. So he doesn't like the Cape or, 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 or what do you call it, or, or Loftus or, or Sam Pendergrass. But um, yeah, hell of an effort from France. And yeah, oh, I think World Rugby, I think, what French rugby is doing at the moment is something incredible. And it does look like that, um, that the, the powerhouse of rugby will be in Ireland and France. If you look, if you, if you look at the future, but yeah, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, great day out in Athlon stadium. All is nice for rugby. To, I think it was a great touch by SA rugby to, to make the tournament sort of in Athlone in, in sort of in the community. And the amount of people that came out there was incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think it was a great touch. I think it is tough. Cape Town's got the nice about Cape Town's is some of those the smaller sort of stadiums like City Park and Athlon Stadium. There's a few legends there who were playing Athlon Stadium back in the day. Guys who played for the Sorrow side, so they were all there. So it was a very cool, very very cool day. And they, they were talking about how 
how important Aston Stadium was to the community and it was so, so, so actually a very, very cool day. And shout out to the Blitzbox in the baby box as well. Hell of a performance against England to come third. But yeah, so it was a great yeah. day out. Um, it was a great day out in, in Cape Town. Really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, can't wait for next year's edition. Nice. Yeah, so as it finished, uh, France under-20 world champions, Ireland second, and um, our building box under-20s uh, finished third, beating England, as Cook said. Jared, in closing, I believe you want to drop one more bomb? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, just a small little bomb, but uh, I do want to say I think the sex and ban is a good thing overall, that uh, they have given some sort of ban to, to a high-profile player before the World Cup for mistreating the referees. I think that we do have to give a little bit of a little hat up, like a, a tiny one. But uh, it's it's good to see that even if uh, you're such a big name like the Ireland captain, Johnny Sexton, that they're still going to bring the hammer down. Well, not really the hammer down. They, they'll they lightly mm. slap you on the wrist and give you a little bit of a suspension. Mm. And hopefully this is not the last we see of it. And if another referee is uh, called out like this, they report it and we get some more bans going so we can stamp this out. Yeah, a, a hat tip for ants. But uh, yeah. yes, we hear you, Jared. We hear you. I uh, I would like them to have made a statement of just leading at least into the first week of the World Cup, at least just a little something <laughs> like just say, listen, you you we your World Cup is being threatened because his World Cup isn't being threatened now. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, like I said, four weeks I would have been happy with. I know it's only one week, but it would have made a big difference. I I feel, guys. Thank you so much. Another amazing episode. We unfortunately lost Tyler. I know he's been, been listening. He's been helping me through this, uh, this process as we finish things off. But massive thank you to everyone. Please uh, feel free to share our, um, our stuff on socials, um, podcast, download, and let everyone know about it. And really looking forward to catching up with you all next week. We'll try and bring a double pot ahead of the Argentinian test match. Cooks, Jared, and Tyler in your absence, thank you so much. And to all of you, have a great day. <laughs>